Welcome to The Journey, an online commentary on today's scripture reading with Seth Davidson. Today's reading is from Acts chapter 21, verses 17 through 30. When we arrived, the brothers and sisters in Jerusalem welcomed us warmly. The next day, Paul went with us to meet with James, and all the elders of the Jerusalem church were present. After greeting them, Paul gave a detailed account of the things God had accomplished among the Gentiles through his ministry. After hearing this, they praised God, and then they said, You know, dear brother, how many thousands of Jews have also believed, and they all follow the law of Moses very seriously. But the Jewish believers here in Jerusalem have been told that you are teaching all the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn their backs on the laws of Moses. They've heard that you teach them not to circumcise their children or follow other Jewish customs. What should we do? They will certainly hear that you have come. Here's what we want you to do. We have four men here who have completed their vow. Go with them to the temple and join them in the purification ceremony, paying for them to have their heads ritually shaved. Then everyone will know that the rumors are all false and that you are yourself that you yourself observe the Jewish laws. As for the Gentile believers, they should do what we already told them in a letter. They should abstain from eating food offered to idols, from consuming blood or the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. So Paul went to the temple the next day with the other men. They had already started the purification ritual, so he publicly announced the date that when their vows would end and sacrifices would be offered for each of them. The seven days were almost ended when some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul in the temple and roused a mob against him. They grabbed him, yelling, Men of Israel, help us! This is the man who preaches against our people everywhere and tells everybody to disobey the Jewish laws. He speaks against the temple and even defiles his ho this holy place by bringing in the Gentiles. For earlier that day they had seen him in the city with Trophimus, a Gentile from Ephesus, and they assumed Paul had taken him in to the temple. So this is sort of a homecoming welcome for Paul now in Jerusalem. And so originally uh, Barnabas was sent by the church in Jerusalem to Antioch. That's where Barnabas found Saul, uh, Paul. And then that they began the missionary journeys. There were all told four of these missionary journeys, well, three and a half sort of thing uh, that happened from Antioch. And though Paul has been back, if I'm not mistaken, uh, perhaps twice before in Jerusalem. Like this is the time where, where it's all about to go down. And so he's welcomed uh, by that early church, by the first church led by James. James is the half-brother of Jesus. Uh, I say half-brother because uh, Jesus was born of Mary and the Holy Spirit. James was the son of Mary and Joseph. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, he's the leader of the church, and they welcome him gladly. They're so thrilled by the good work God has done among the Gentiles, and they're able to swap stories about the incredible movement of God in Jerusalem, where so many Jewish uh, adherents have come to faith in Jesus. It's a beautiful homecoming, but also one fraught with danger. And the first church that meets in Jerusalem knows this. They know that those in and around Jerusalem who continue to hold on to the Jewish law, the Mosaic law, very uh, faithfully uh, and literally, they take it seriously as the text says, 
they're very dubious of Paul because they've heard that he doesn't take those things very seriously. So they offer what was and, and really is a wise sort of plan. They say it in verse 23. And what they encourage Paul to do is to take a Nazarite vow. A Nazarite vow um, could really be for almost anything, but it was a season of ritual purification and sanctification where one would uh, abstain from wine uh, and possibly add on other abstinences uh, for a particular period of time for a particular purpose to set apart one's life for God. Uh, and part of that Nazarite vow would include uh, a, a public declaration, writing of that down, we saw that here, and a shaving of one's head. Uh, this has happened throughout the Old Testament and even some New Testament scriptures. We don't carry this practice in our day, but we could think about it in terms of if one were to undergo a three-day fast or a seven-day fast, it would be abstaining from food, and one would typically do that uh, to pray about a certain item or topic and to set oneself and to set up something important for prayer. That's not an exact corollary, but that's a way we may think about it. So evidently this particular Nazarite vow, some others in that church community, Jewish believers were already going to do, and so they suggest, Paul, why don't you jump in on that? And when you do that, the hope and thought is, though everyone will see, Paul does himself as a, a Jewish uh, man by heredity, adhere to the laws of Moses. And so the hope is that that will be enough to, to quench the dissent that they see. They're also clear in verse 25, hey, what we said by letter about the Gentiles, that a Gentile can come to faith in Jesus without a Gentile having to become a ritual Jew. Like, that's still intact. You don't have to worry about that. Uh, taking on those things doesn't, doesn't keep the Gentiles from God, like we said. But for you, uh, because of the context and the situation, you need to be seen as one uh, Jewish individual who's going to adhere to the laws of Moses. And so... Paul has no problems with this, and so Paul uh, exercises that in the way they suggest. Well, unfortunately, in 27 and 28, we see that even this uh, does not uh, solve the problem. There are those actually not in Jerusalem, but who've come from places who have stirred up trouble for Paul. They see him in the temple, and they also see Trophimus. Trophimus we've read about before in the list of Paul's companions. Trophimus has come with Paul. Trophimus is from Ephesus, so he's a Gentile, and so he's in uh, Jerusalem at this time as a companion of Paul. Now, Trophimus has not been in the temple, in the part of the temple that's only for Israelites, but he has been in the court of Gentiles, it appears, or at least in the marketplace. And so they make the stretch or assumption or perhaps even a willing, uh, a willing, a willful lie that Paul doesn't obey the laws of Moses because Paul has brought Trophimus, in, Trophimus into a place where he should not be, which is false. But 
they make this connection. And again, that's enough that it causes another riot, this time in Jerusalem. Um, and it's because of all that has just been described in the text. We're going to see what happens as a result of this riot, as a result of this council and trial. But this spurs the moment where, of the functional arrest of Paul and uh, his trial and then his being sent to Rome. In terms of how this may apply for us today, I guess the encouragement might be if there's something in our lives that that needs added focus or prayer, maybe it's personal, maybe it's for our church community, it's maybe to employ a, fast, a, 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 a practice that might uh, help us in terms of prayer and focus and even sort of consecrating our lives to God for a season. And so uh, one way I'm presently doing this, along with a number in our staff team, is just uh, a, Tuesday, a, a, a fast from something for 24 hours. I've chosen to do a fast from food uh, from Monday night to Tuesday night. And it's in that time where I'm sort of dedicating that time to prayer and to the Lord and trying to seize a little extra time for prayer. Again, it's not an exact thing, but it's a way of setting apart a portion of my life dedicated for prayer for a specific purpose. There may be something in your life that is like that. Um, maybe it's skipping a meal. Maybe it's fasting from uh, alcohol. Maybe it's uh, fasting from social media. Uh, if, if you're going to do something like that, uh, the hope is you would have had something that you'd like to engage with God to consecrate around prayer and then add a practice to that. We never want to be people that just do a thing, do a practice, in hopes that that will earn spiritual brownie points. Uh, that's not the way spiritual disciplines or practices work. But if there's something in your life that you're hoping to see breakthrough in or you really want to give to God, a fast of some sort is a way to do that. May this come as an encouragement and a challenge to you and I today.